Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Stationary Freaks podcast with myself, Rob Lambert, and of course... Out with me, Helen Lazowski. How are you doing then, Helen? All good? I'm doing well. What about you? Yeah, really good actually. I've um, spent a bit of time on Instagram and I found some awesome stationary companies that do some pretty magical stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it's all good. I haven't bought anything yet. I'm still holding fire on that. <laughs> well, you know, I did actually, I was so excited. One of my friends sent me a little stationary kit. So it was like a journaling kit. So it was a little book and a pen and a really nice short metallic ruler and a some stickers and some, yeah, it just made me so happy. It was a little box of joy. It's fab. Little box of joy. That's what it's about. And in today's episode, we are actually going to be talking about goal setting. Of course, it's January 2021 when we're recording this, and it's perfect time to be setting goals. I know a lot of people will probably have already set some goals, but I think it's a good time to talk about it. I mean, you set goals, don't you, Helen? I do. Good. It's good to start with goal setting at the beginning of something. So a new year, even if you don't subscribe to the whole New Year's resolution thing, it's psychologically a really good time. But you could do it any time there's a new thing. You could do it at Easter or you could do it on a Monday or you could, you know, anything because it's a, a beginning. It's a really good time. So I do goals. Yeah, me too. I've got way too many on my list, which I sort of alluded to in the last podcast. So I think in today what we're going to do, we're going to sort of break down how we set goals. Now, of course, there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's just the way that works for you. So I think it's best if we share what we do and how we keep ourselves on track and accountable. And of course, what stationery we use. <laughs> um, and then hopefully that'll inspire people. And maybe, you know, there's something here for people to take back to their own goal setting routines. How do you go about deciding what goals to do? This is really tough for me because it's I get intimidated by big goals. Because you want to influence that by bringing them into something that would be much more realistic. And it's really bad, actually, to do that because you're limiting yourself. Uh, most people, when they set goals, don't set big enough goals. So I tend to have a, a, an approach, which is in a year's time, I want to sit and do a kind of review of what my year has been. What are the things that I would be so thrilled to have achieved in that year? So I tend to put myself forward a year and then pretend I'm looking back. I mean, I'm similar in a sense. I, I tend to have this thing called a painted picture, which again, we sort of talked about in the yeah. journaling podcast. Now this painted picture to me, I write it for sort of 10 years time, sort of like almost like a Uber Rob, what would the most amazing version of me be doing in 10 years time? Now, obviously, I wrote that about five years ago. So we're halfway through that painted picture for me. And obviously, when I come up to the 10 years, I'll probably write another one for the next 10 years. For me, it's a sort of like, what do I want to be doing? You know, who do I want to be as a person? And then each year, the goals basically build up and sort of compound towards that painted picture. Now, I do have to tweak the painted picture occasionally because obviously things don't always go to plan. And obviously, I might change, might change what it is that I want to actually do. But it's more about it's not materialistic stuff like houses and cars as much as I do like those things. It's about who I want to become and what I actually want to be spending my energy and attention on day to day. You know, what do I want to be doing from there? That gives me almost kind of a framework for the goals that I can set for each year. And I never set goals for longer than a year like yourself. I mean, they yeah. can be sort of massively overwhelming. And I tend to have a mix of small and big goals. So, you know, some of them are very, very small in, in a sense that probably only take a week or so to deliver. And then some of them are huge and pretty much, okay. like you say, when you get to the end of the year, that retrospective, 
did I do these goals? I want to look back and go, if I have achieved these goals, I will have had a great year. It would have been a good year for me. Yeah, I think that's a really sensible way of doing it. That idea of taking a big goal. I tend to take those big goals when I can focus. I mean, my goals are quite big, but they're not they're not huge like you do, Rob. I just can't do that. But I've got better with practice. But one thing I find super useful with goals is sitting there and thinking, how will I know that I've achieved this goal? So what am I looking for to say, if I've got these five things in place, it's almost like a definition I've done for that goal. If I had these five things in place, I could say, you know, so I want to set up a company and have a company that's a a, a huge company. Uh, What does that mean, though? Huge to you or huge to me? So it's, say, 30 people or it's two people or it's I want to be able to, you know, know that I could survive a COVID pandemic without any money coming in, whatever that would be. So those definitions are, are help me. I decide what done means for that goal, which mean, gives me each one of those then becomes a, a mini goal and much easier to work towards. That's a good approach. I, I use a similar sort of thing and, and I tend to, I mean, you've heard of smart goals, haven't you? I mean, yeah. smart goals to me are, are just stupid. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, they're almost sort of like uh, so obvious that when you see certainly organizations rolling them out, people are stumped. They, they sort of fox them almost because it's like, really, you, you're teaching me how to sort of write a specific yep. goal. And um, so for me, but I do, I do take two bits of that. That's the measurability bit and usually a time bound. I like to stick some sort of date on it because I think that drives certainly a sense of urgency. And the measurable bit is similar to your definition of done. In a sense, a, a kind of binary, the goal is done or the goal isn't. And so the goals tend to have a little bit of richness in there, similar to what you've said, you know, sort of qualifying what it means to actually yeah. achieve that goal. And for me, that measurable bit's really important. Otherwise, that goal can just continue and you'll never know whether you've done it or not, which is a bit of a shame. True. And I mean, people tend to not dream big enough with goals. But actually, if you then try and set smart goals, and I'm so glad you said that because I am so not a fan of smart goals. Um, but suddenly you're really restricting what you can do by trying to put all these parameters around it constraints do make us creative but you know at the end of the day you look at somebody like I forgot what his name is Hiram Bigham or something like that he literally stumbled on Machu Picchu when he was looking for somewhere else I can't remember Villa Camba somewhere like that he was looking for one thing and instead he found the most amazing place because he'd never have dreamt of that so you can't necessarily set your goals big enough but what you can do is be ready for that goal to change and adjust it because you haven't put the constraints around it that say, you know, I must read it by this time. I mean, I like time too, but it's it's much more, to me, it's much more important that we have a goal that gives us a direction. And then, you know what? It's, you get one life. Make sure you're doing stuff you enjoy. And if you get halfway through that, towards that goal, and you go, this is really not bringing me joy, don't do it. Don't do it. Find something that's fun. So, all right. So we've we've sort of almost kind of worked out what we want to put down as a goal. We've talked about making it sort of uh, measurable or putting a definition of done, which is a really nice way of, of phrasing that. And maybe some time boundness. Yeah. So how many goals do you tend to set for the year? Mostly, maybe five, maybe eight would be a lot. But, but if I did eight, it would be some of them would be quite small, as you say. So some of mine are really big and won't be done in a year. But there's a big chunk I want to do in a year. And some of them are quite small. So I can give you an example. So Rob, you'll know as long as I, in fact, we should talk about this as well. As long as I have known you, I've said I want to write, 
I want to write a book. And I I know I'm rubbish at the writing habit. So I sat there with that this year and I went, do you know what I'm actually going to do? I'm not going to tell myself I'm going to write because I keep doing that. And even if I write every day, I'm not, I'm not actually moving towards my goal. So I sat down and thought every week I am going to take an idea and I'm going to write an outline and I'm going to do it inside an hour. So I'm spending one hour a week writing an outline to get that whole story shaped because I know I can write what I need to be able to do is make that whole story end to end because otherwise I get you know from experience I get sucked into that lovely lovely detail and forget about that big picture that big story arc that actually makes the story worth reading I do five to eight five would be probably three big ones and two smaller ones eight would be yeah lots of smaller ones (laughs) how about you what do you do I think I alluded to it on the last podcast again. I mean, I've got 21 goals on my list. Um, <laughs> the majority of people would be like, oh my God, what an idiot. Um, and, and to be fair, you're probably correct with that assessment of me. But in, in some respects, they're, um, they're things that I either know I'm going to be doing. So I'll give you a good example of that one. I know I'm going to be organizing a conference this year. I've already been on the committee. I've already uh, signed up to it. So I have a goal around delivering, obviously, the best conference that we can possibly deliver, hopefully in person, but who knows, it could be a remote one. So that's a goal. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, um, a very small task at all. I mean, it's a huge task in a sense, bringing a conference together. But I know I'm going to be doing it. I've already committed to that. So that's one of the goals. And I have a goal to speak at two conferences, of which I already have signed up to two. One, obviously, the one I'm organizing, which I've been able to bag a space on. And um, another one later on in the year, and actually a smaller uh, sort of meetup kind of conference at the beginning of the year. So I've actually got a goal to speak at two conferences. Now, we'll talk about this in a minute. That's actually outside of my control because I had a goal to speak at three last year and all three got cancelled because of the pandemic. So we will talk about that in a minute because there is a sort of almost like a locus of control that we should probably uh, talk about. So that's an example of two goals. There's another one, which is to complete Red January 2021, which is a sort of charity uh, activity where you do some exercise every day uh, for the whole of January, and hopefully you're going to raise some money for mental health charity. And that's another goal, and that one will be done at the end of January. So as you can see, they're sort of, they're not small goals at all. There's a commitment to them, but they're not like massively outside of my comfort zone. Whereas some of the others, for example, I've got a goal to publish three books this year, and that is a big task. And alongside that is the goal to obviously commit to a weekly podcast here on Stationary Freaks, as well as publishing 50 videos to my management channel, which is roughly one a week. So as you can see, they're huge goals. And for some people, they may be like, oh, my God, that's that's ridiculous. But I'll talk about how I get that stuff done in a minute. So yeah, 21 goals, all listed out. It took me a long time to decide on them, and I had to get rid of quite a few because I probably had about 50 when I did the brainstorm. And you've worked with me, you know, my yeah, brain operates I do. Um, Terrifying, faster actually. than my body can cash its check. So to <laughs> quote, was that Jerry Maguire, was it? I can't remember. It was from a film. So that's quite interesting. I'd quite like to talk about how you record and plot your progress on those goals. And I'm also interested in how, so for me, that I was alluding to that a moment ago with the writing goal. There, I think there are people out there who have the same goals every single year and never seem to make progress against it. And I think, you know, I think that's a really interesting topic as well. I think we should cover both of those while we're here. Yeah, and I actually think that they're the same thing for me. So you touched on it earlier when you mentioned you haven't yet turned that writing into a habit. And you're a big fan of habits um, and discipline. 
and all that sort of stuff. And fundamentally, that's the way I look at goals. So we've talked about this painted picture that I have, this kind of ideal, perfect Rob that will never exist, but it's it's something that I strive towards. I've derived the goals for this year that all feed into that. So they're all contributing in some way to that. Now, the next step for me is to turn those into calendar items that are repeatable and fit on my calendar. And also, I'm, I'm a big fan of this idea of energy and attention and time management, because we can obviously schedule everything we want on a calendar, but we might not have the energy and the attention to deliver them. For me, it's about turning them into calendar items. So another thing to consider here, we talked about this on the journaling one, is this sort of stoic idea, this stoicism idea of having a target. So these are the goals, essentially, the things I'm aiming to deliver and making as many of them within your control as possible, but actually letting go of the outcome. So I can put in the energy and attention, I can put in the effort, I can do my hardest to bring this goal to life, but I can't guarantee the outcome. Now, a good example is writing a book. I can make it a habit. I can put in the effort. It's something I want to deliver, but I have no control over whether anyone reads that. I can try and influence it, but I can't control that. Is that something that you weave into your goals, that sort of almost a detachment from the results of it? It's exactly what I do, which is that there are some things I can choose and can act action or activate and there's some things that's completely outside my control but that's not the point so if I'm doing it to get something that I can't control that's only ever going to make me unhappy so I because you, you've got no control and you're pinning your happiness against it it feels like a really bad idea so I only pin success against the things that I am contributing like you were saying and not against the outcome when we talked about fitness for example I pin my happiness and my success factors against me doing workouts and, and getting better personal best. I don't pin it against weight loss or anything like that because I can't control that. For me, it's about that living in the, the day. I mean, the day is really all we've got. And obviously a stoic idea is that you might not actually get tomorrow, which is a, a rather somber way to look at life. <laughs> sure. But actually, it's, it's pretty true. So that's why I put them on the calendar. And so therefore, if I achieve everything that's on my calendar, it becomes habitual because I'm doing it over and over again. It becomes a routine that I can optimize and I can make better. It also means that I can do what I can for that day rather than this. I mean, coming back to the book idea, rather than waiting for the inspiration and the energy, it's yeah. just on my calendar. I just get a, I do my journaling and then I write for 20 minutes. I mean, the quality of the work isn't always great, but there's something that gets put down. And for me, that's really important. I think it was sort of Hemingway who said, um, I wait for inspiration to strike, but thankfully it strikes every morning at 6am or something like that. I've probably butchered yeah. that quote a little bit. <laughs> and yeah. so for me, the goals drive that, that routine, that habit, which is the way I track them. So I add them to the calendar. And if things don't fit on the calendar, then that goal doesn't get activated or started yet. Or maybe I don't even do it at all that year. I follow the calendar. I print it out at the beginning every week. I put a tick against everything that I've done. And I've got in that calendar time with family, all the other stuff that's important that leads to a, you know, a happy, fulfilling life. It's not all goals. It's not all about business. It's interesting that you have that calendar that you print off and then sort of really just tick off. I mean, it's really physical action rather than electronic. You just think, yeah, I had it on the calendar and I did it. You actually physically tick it off, which is really good. But I mean, I, I, I monitor all mine actually through bullet journal. I'm not a big fan of sort of habit tracker spreads in bullet journals, but I do monitor those few things that I'm doing. But they're activities. I'm setting myself constantly small 
things to do each week or each day or whatever that is contributing in. And it's just about that idea of that progress. You were talking about the ideal Rob. So maybe am I moving towards who I want to be or am I moving away? You know, is this a step that's taking me towards a better person? And I think that that's really interesting that you and I both track it really physically, pen and paper. Absolutely. And it's no surprise that you use a bullet journal. I mean, I could have probably <laughs> guessed that. You see, I like the way that James Clear pictures this. And it's actually the process I've used for years. And he, he sort of summed it up quite nicely in his book, Atomic Habits, which is a pretty good book. It's awesome and- yeah, so he's all about setting that vision, you know, and, and he alludes it to almost like a sports team. If you imagine the sports teams, uh, let's pick basketball, that's my favorite sport, let's pick the NBA. Every NBA team probably has similar goals, which is to win the championship, but they all have that goal. So it's not the setting of the goal that actually leads to success, it's the habits and the routines and the discipline underneath yeah. that does. And he says a good example, if you set the goal to win the championship and you build the routines and the habits, which is, you know, basically calendar and energy management, and you remove the goal, will you still succeed? And the chances are you probably will if you've got a good process and some good habits. And for me, that's the goal of goal setting is to steer where I spend my energy and attention every day. The outcomes kind of happy to let go of them i mean of course i'd love to have a book that you know got the times top 10 best sellers but it's kind of outside of my control really there's things i can do to influence it but fundamentally as long as i've done the work published the book then i can rest easy knowing i've achieved that goal so you've done this kind of goal setting for many years do you remember a time in the past before you had uh, sort of internalized and learned all this stuff where you used to have the same goals that would be on your, I don't know, New Year's to-do list, New Year's resolution every year. You had that same goal over and over again. Did you ever have that experience? Yeah, I still do. I remember years ago, I think it was it was actually, I know exactly when it was, it was when my first son was born. I was overwhelmed by what I call the baby effect, which is, <laughs> oh my God, this this small thing, it relies on me. It's It's looking at me as a role model. I need to put a roof over its head. And I was basically wasting my life before that, you know, driving around in sort of fast Japanese cars, not expensive ones, very cheap ones, actually, <laughs> and playing video games. And I was I was full of ideas. I had books full of things I actually wanted to do, but I didn't do anything. When my first son was born, I was really spurred on to take my career seriously and start doing things. And I actually wrote a list, which is not too dissimilar to the painted picture, with a whole list of things, goals, basically. And I did nothing with it. Every week I'd revisit and go, yep, I'm going to start that podcast or that book or whatever. Every week just went past. And It was soul destroying, actually. I was in a lot of turmoil. I remember being at work one day just thinking, what am I doing? You know, I'm sort of creating this mental challenge and turmoil for myself. And it was horrible. And it was probably like that for about six months until I realized that actually it was about just sitting down and doing it or going into the garage to work out or going for that walk or you know, publishing that first post on LinkedIn. That then became how I've delivered goals since. No doubt there's lots of other ways, but that really works for me. So that fundamentally is the bottom line, isn't it? Which is you still have to do the work. There's no getting around it. But I do, the one other thing I would say is that you had a list of things that you actually, you just didn't think you should do, you actually wanted to do. And I think Certainly myself and I know other people have got things on their to-do lists every year because they feel they should do. And actually, when you look at it, it's not lining up with their values and what they really enjoy and where their, where their happiness is. They feel they should do them because they've always said they would or they, you know, it's me and my bloody book, isn't it? I'm never going <laughs> to. 
I should write a book. There are things we've just got to do. I mean, like, you know, that's just, you know, doing my taxes and all that. I can't stand that stuff, but I've got to do it. I wouldn't put that down as a goal. I'd just put it down as an activity that I have to endure. Um, If you're not prepared to do the work, the chances are that goal does not align well enough with your values to make it important enough for you to do because you have to do the work. And if you can't justify doing the work, you're not going to ever reach that goal, but you're just going to be miserable. And being miserable is not the place to be. Find yourself some goals that really inspire you me and you work in the the tech industry and you know systems thinking is sort of quite important when you start to try and shift an organization and the same thing applies here and I always describe there's the three levels there's the why which you know Simon Sinek talks about a lot and then there's the what which is you know what are you going to do to achieve that why and then there's the how how are you going to actually do that and it's the same process that I've essentially got here the why is the painted picture you know why do I want to be creating content, running seminars, doing all the stuff that's on my painted picture. You know, that's the why to me. And that's what drives the what, which is the goals. And then the how is essentially the calendar, the routine, the habits, the discipline. And those three levels are really important. And if all you're going to do is set goals, all you're doing is setting a what. What am I going to do? I'm going to write a book. Yeah, exactly. Why do you want to write the book? You know, what's the purpose of that goal for you? Is it because everyone says you should write a book? Or do you have a desire to actually write that? And that's exactly the point. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right, which is that really and truly, too many people start with the what and they don't really think about the why. Why would I care enough to do this? Because this is a lot of work. Am I really sure this is how I want to invest? What is effectively finite time. So as I say to you, I have five or eight goals a year because that's how much I know realistically I can fit in into my life. That means it's really finite. And so I want to spend that super wisely on stuff that I'm really going to get a kick out of doing or at least be able to push through the tough bits in order to get to the better bits. Because actually, I can't do everything. I haven't got time. And I think as well, there's this element of, you know, what kind of opportunities do you have? What kind of privileges do you have? What kind of responsibilities do you have in your life? You know, having kids is a responsibility. You know, you can't just drop all of that and go off and spend six months in a French farmhouse writing a novel. I suppose you could, but there's consequences to that. (laughs) That's a better way of looking at it. You know, I'm a big fan of Alan Watts, who's a philosopher, and, and he's really interesting to listen to some of his stuff. Because he has this idea that, you know, people go through the motions of, you know, getting a job, going to work, setting goals to provide enough money to keep doing that even though that's not what they enjoy and it's this cycle of events that just goes on and on and on until they die and they never lived a life and I'm not quite there yet there's there's these ideas of you know what would you do if you won the lottery well I probably would continue this podcast of course Helen because this is awesome (laughs) but there are other things in my goals list that I probably wouldn't do if money was no object And so there's this still this sort of higher level of, you know, actually finding your true self. But we can't all do that. It's really not that simple because we've got commitments and we've got privileges and we've got, you know, constraints that we just have to work within. You have to be really careful that people, I guess, don't start going, I want to, you know, do this amazing thing. And they actually give up some of those pillars of their life that are actually super important to them. So it's about finding that tension. They do say to you, if you want to try hard enough, you see lots of this stuff on God, Pinterest and LinkedIn, and everything. just try hard enough, push harder, work harder, and you could do anything. And the truth is, yes, you can, but there are costs, there are consequences. Yeah. So when you're setting goals, it's about, is this important to me? And what am I not doing in order to get this? So for me, five goals, eight goals, because I can't do, if I put 10 on there, 
I won't do them all or something from my life that I really care about falls out, you know, sleep, something like that. I think everybody should be thinking about balancing their life. And I mean, nobody's, this has never been a better time than the, the middle of a pandemic, has there really, to think about what really matters, what, what matters yeah. to you in your life. I mean, I call them the pillars of life and I've got six and I try to keep them in. Well, I don't believe in balance because I think you're always giving one thing more focus than something else. But as long as that's a conscious decision, then you can balance that tension between them. And there's this meme going around about never take a day off. Have you seen that one? Oh, dear God, take a day off. Yeah, take a day yeah. off. I mean, my God, that comes with consequences. So, yeah, be careful with those sorts of things. And and certainly LinkedIn is full of it at the moment with, you know, I dreamt big and it happened. And it's like, well, maybe, but you also did quite a lot of work and were quite lucky at the same time. So Yeah, and selling it as anything else is just unfair. So I have four things that I work with, but you have six. So do you want to tell me what your six are and I'll show you my four? Okay, so my six in the order that makes a lot of sense is health. So number one is always health, you know, um, because without that, frankly, nothing else is achievable. So um, that's about making sure I get my fitness routines in, meditation, journaling, which I consider part of my health. Uh, Number two is family. So it's, I like to say family first, but obviously health first. So family to me is really important because obviously, you know, when that sand timer of life runs out, we're going to wish that we probably spent more time with our family than we did on LinkedIn. Um, you know, going on about never having a day off. Number three for me is education and personal development. I tend to, I'm a bit like you really, I think you do the same thing, is we choose certainly some of the work and sort of our next career moves based on how we're going to grow as an individual. For yeah. me, that education and personal development is really important. Hence, studying for HR diploma this year and various other things. Number four is finance and money. So it's about making sure that I'm saving, but also that I have goals on my list that are geared towards being able to make some money we all need money there's no shyness away from that Um, how much we need is obviously a very personal thing and then number five is impact on society and i consider where we work a society i consider my household a society and of course there's the wider society which is you know why i donate a certain amount of uh, money to charity each year and do all sorts of different things for local community and then number six the final one is productivity and effectiveness which might seem weird to have that last when that's really what we're talking about here is setting goals. But we're not because actually we need to make sure that you've got some goals that are based around all the other pillars that are important to you as an individual. So they're my six. What about yours? Mine are really similar. And what's interesting is I hadn't realised mine are called pillars of progress. I have, be clear, which is about simplification. So everyone who knows me knows that I collect tax stuff. I spend my entire life fighting that because actually psychologically my world is much better when it's a little bit more minimalist so I have this ongoing tension in my life so be clear and deliberately simplify is uh, one of mine I have be strong which is my health and fitness so that's the, the two things I've put together because actually I don't care particularly about body shape what I really care about is being strong and healthy so I have stuff that feeds into that I have be curious which is my learning, trying something new. I'm a complete magpie for everything like that. But it's about making sure that I'm growing and trying new ideas and new things every year. And then I have Be Ready, which is about preparation, planning for the future, making sure. So Rob, you'll know, I always talk about having a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. It's not that they're really fleshed out, but if this happens, then I have a plan. If this happens, then I know what I'm doing. I've already made some decisions up front because I did that as part of that original decision making. So I have this idea of preparation in my life too. Plan B for me is 
when this doesn't work, how else am I going to, because I still go into the same place. It's not plan B about where I'm going. It's a plan B about the method I'm taking. Because if I can give up because this isn't working and I haven't got a plan B, I just won't start again. So I have to say, I am intending to do this. But if I don't, then we'll do this instead. And it's really, really solid habit setting is there is going to be hiccups. If I don't do a workout on a day, it doesn't kill me because it's okay. I have a plan B, which is if I don't work out on a Monday when I'm supposed to, I'll work out on a Tuesday. It's absolutely fine because I've got spaces in my life to do that. So this is a podcast about stationery and uh, this is a slightly longer episode, but it's actually an interesting topic. What stationery do you use? I know you talked about using a bullet journal. Is that it? I mean, how do you track it? Do you use post-it notes or Gantt charts or funny diagrams? Sure. In your, in your, what, what was your friend described it as or our friend? Flower fairy book. Yeah, my flower fairy book. Yeah. So in your flower fairy book, do you have a sort of one of those habit boxes where you color in each of the squares every day? I don't. I don't like those. I think they are. They are not useful. And, you know, do you know, that's not quite fair. It's really useful if you are the kind of person who doesn't like to break the chain and you want to see that thing colored in every day. And that is part of what motivates you. It does not speak to my soul. I just don't care. And in fact, the rebel in me goes, yeah, what are you going to do if I miss a square? Just let's see, shall we? So, yeah, not going to work for me. So I don't use it in my bullet journal. But what I do is I make that into something that I do every day or every week or every month. It could be what am I doing towards it? So I'm not necessarily doing the same things every day. If I've got a workout, they're in my calendar. So I don't put that on my journal. But this idea of outlining that I was talking about, that's a thing in my my diary. So each week I have a thing that just says, did you do the outline? Just yes or no. Did I do it? I don't care if I haven't done it for three weeks. Every week, did I do it? So I check like that. But so that's how I monitor it. But actually, the other thing I do is I have post-its because, you know, I love my post-its. So I have post-its on the wall and I used to have it in a board that was basically a heading for each one of the like put on the wall. I know it's really long winded. I had a, a post-it on each one for each goal. And then underneath it, I would have the broken down bits and pieces that I wanted to do. That doesn't work so well for me. And I now use a tool called Workflowy which I love. Uh, That's a slightly longer way. So workflow is really nice because it's basically just makes hierarchical lists. So I can add things, take things away. When I'm really focused, I can break things down. And when I'm not focused, I can come back three weeks later and go, oh yeah, I did it two times. And then I haven't done this one or I haven't ticked this thing off. Mine is pretty straightforward. I I call it the fridge of accountability. And love it. (laughs) Essentially, it's my calendar. It's a Google calendar. Um, I synchronize Todoist with it. So I use Todoist as task management. And some of the things are recurring into it in Todoist, such as, you know, publishing this uh, podcast, etc. And then some things are in the calendar, such as, you know, working out and actually the recording of this, which is a calendar invite. I synchronize the two together. So they all appear on one calendar, which sometimes can be a bit overwhelming if there's a lot going on. But I essentially print that calendar at the beginning of every week. I stick it on the fridge and that becomes the fridge of accountability. And I go to the fridge many, many times during the day to sort the boys out. Plus, you know, help myself to all sorts of goodies in there. Every time I see it, it's a reminder of what I've got to do today, but also what I've got for the rest of the week. And similar to the sort of break the chain is I use a trusty Staedtler. I'm probably butchering <laughs> that name. Staedtler pencil um, to just literally shade in the box and when it's shaded in I've done it if it's not I haven't done it but I think you're right that sort of you've got to be really careful not to beat yourself up if you don't achieve the things you had for that day because it can be really tempting to sort of you know hit yourself over the head for a few days and then just give up because you've decided that you just can't do this thing 
And that might be the right approach, but actually often it's just a case of going, right, I missed a day, it's not a problem, back on it tomorrow or whenever it's next schedule. Yeah. And for me, that fridge of accountability is is where it's at. I think I learned that from, I think it was David Goggins in his book, he had a, he had a mirror of accountability where he stuck all of his flaws and all the things he needed to change about himself, but I'm not quite that um, sort of uh, determined to alter myself. Brutal. That is brutal. I have to be honest, I love your fridge of accountability, Rob. I do want to tell you that really that's just a different format of the bullet journal. And I'm just delighted to hear that you're enjoying it. Right. And on that note, I think we should call a close to this because <laughs> I refuse to accept that a fridge of accountability is anywhere similar at all to a bullet journal. Fridge of accountability, that's the new future. I should actually probably put something up there about how to build a fridge of accountability. I, I don't think that would be a waste, actually, Rob. I think that would be a useful way of spending your time. Yeah, F-O-A. Yeah, it's not quite the same as, uh, yeah. Oh, well, we'll we'll get there. Okay, Helen, anything else at all before we declare victory on this podcast and say goodbye? No, I think we should just say, if this was easy, everybody would be doing it. So just try and be a bit better than you were last time. And that's progress. Yeah, that's really the almost kind of the motto of Stationary Freaks in a sense, isn't it? Is uh, we use stationary to try and turn basically the potential that we have as humans into something, uh, whether that's reality or, you know, close to it. Just try to get better, but don't destroy yourself in the process. So anyway, that was quite philosophical, wasn't it, to end this podcast? really was. Thank you, everybody. Um, Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please don't hesitate to share it with other fellow stationary freaks. And don't forget to join us over on Instagram at Stationary Freaks UK. And thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please let us know. Please let us know what you'd like us to cover and what you would like myself and Helen to talk about. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Thanks, Helen. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.